Now, you know what? Uh, there's a lot of news that's going on this week, and I'm not sure how you get your news, whether you grab it online, you get it. On, you know, I get news feeds all the time. Apple wants to tell me stuff. I ignore most of those. But there's a lot of different ways to get our news. And I'm just, I'm wondering if there's anybody in here that still gets a newspaper. You got a newspaper? Do you receive it at your home? That's exciting. That's cool. It just magically shows up at your house. Isn't that exciting? My neighbor gets a newspaper at 4.45 in the morning. How do I know that? <laughs> uh, there's a van that comes by and somebody, a nondescript person, flings it out the, dry, or the passenger side window and it ends up on his front sidewalk. That's pretty exciting. Um, uh, any, any people in here ever received the penny saver? Do you remember that? that? That's no longer in existence, I don't think, is it? Do you still know? That one passed off the scene with all the electronic stuff. You can get your coupons online now. You can take your phone into the store with you, and you can do things electronically that way. But now, here's another question. Any current or former paper boys in here? Ah, Look at those hands. Yeah, you said paper boys, Gary. That isn't correct. I, I'm speaking generically, so don't send me any notes. Don't send me any emails. I get it. Paper boys. Now, here's, here's another question. How many of you have assisted a paper boy in getting his papers ready? You done that? Yeah, me too. I had a friend, his name was Steve, and he was a good friend, and he had a paper route, but I didn't have a paper route. And he would get a ton of newspapers, literally. They'd come in a bundle, and you'd have to cut the rope or the cord that wrapped them up. You'd take them apart, you'd roll them up, or you'd fold them, you'd put a rubber band on them, and then you would put them in a plastic sleeve, and back in the day, people didn't want it on their front sidewalk, on their porch, because they didn't want to have to walk out in the rain or the snow to get it. So I would go over to Steve's house, and we would take this big bundle of newspapers, and we'd work on it together, and we'd roll them, we'd fold them, we'd do all that stuff, and then Steve would take the newspapers out and he would deliver the news to the people's house. Now guess what Steve got at the end of the month? He got money for it. Guess what I got? Thanks. <laughs> and that was okay. Because all I wanted to do was I just wanted to hang out with my buddy and assist him in what he was doing to get the news out. So I thought, you know, that's kind of fun to be able to do that. And so... The, the wrapping them up, the putting the rubber bands on, putting them in the sleeves was not a big issue for me. It was important that someone was waiting to get that news, and it really all depended upon, guess who? The carrier. Now, here's what didn't happen. 
The paper boy didn't write any of the news. His task was simply to deliver what was already written. And so that's what he did. But it took a whole lot of effort to get that news out. And so the paper boy was a very critical part. The, the printing presses had to do their part. Uh, the, the courier from the paper company to the location of the paper boy's house to get the papers all had to fall into place. So that got me thinking. You know, Pastor Pat asked me to preach on uh, praying for the gospel. And I thought, praying for the gospel, praying for the gospel. I don't know if we need to pray for the gospel or we need to deliver the gospel. So we probably need to pray for the carrier of the gospel. And so I started thinking about that and I started thinking, you know, we have, we have news that we need to deliver. It's good news. And it's good news to deliver to people. And some people, like the people here that have subscribed to getting a paper, they'll get it delivered to their house. But the penny saver went to everybody else. And so some people will receive that news and they'll gladly receive it. Others may not even pick it up from their front sidewalk. My neighbor, I just saw him go out yesterday. I was sitting on my deck, and I was uh, reading through my notes, and I saw him come out. His name's John. And John walked out, and I saw him go to his front sidewalk. Guess what he retrieved? His newspaper. And he took it in with him. And I know John, and John is going to thoroughly read that newspaper. Others look at it. They say, well, it's not a big thing. I don't need to spend much time with that. And others just kind of quickly discard it because it's just another advertisement. That's how people approach the gospel these days. Some hear, some don't hear. Some are glad to receive it. Others are, don't bother me with that. But here's what an angel said. In Luke chapter 2, this is what an angel said about the gospel. The gospel is good news, it's of great joy, and it will be for all the people, for today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. That is better than good news. That's great news, right? Because our condition, apart from Jesus coming, is dead in our trespasses and sins, Without God, without hope in the world, separate from Christ. No Jesus, no life. No Jesus, no life. Get the difference? Okay. So an angel looks at it and he says, Good news, great joy for all the people. A Savior's been born for you and he's identified as Christ the Lord. No one else. Singular. One Lord, one Savior, Jesus Christ the Lord. The Apostle Paul said that he was not ashamed of the gospel. Why? For it's the power of God for salvation. To everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So Paul, what is this gospel that is so powerful? 
It's filled with power. It's power from God. It's power of God. The gospel's simple. Paul said he delivered it as of first importance to the Corinthians. Here's what it says in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 and 4. Now, this is the apostle Paul speaking. He says, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. You know what? This is my announcement for little Lucille. All I did was I took what somebody sent me, put it in a format that I could easily understand, and I delivered it to you. The gospel. Put in a simple format. Who cannot remember that? Christ died for sins according to the scripture. He was buried. He was raised on the third day according to the scripture. The simplicity of the gospel. The power of the gospel. The memorability of the gospel. I could even remember that just reading it once. Can you imagine having that good news in our possession in a world that is in desperate condition today and have the opportunity to deliver that? This is what I tell people. I tell people I'm nothing more than a delivery boy. That's all I am. You know why I say that? I just have the good news to bring to people. The Holy Spirit's got to do the dirty work. He's got to drop the hammer in somebody's life and bring conviction concerning sin and righteousness and the judgment to come. All I've got to do is I've got to tell them. Do you know the good news? You know what? All you and I have to do is tell somebody. That's all we have to do. The rest is up to the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Listen to what Paul says to the Colossians about the gospel. He said this, we give thanks to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all the saints, all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you previously heard in what? The word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you. Somebody delivered it to them. Just as in all the world also, it is constantly bearing fruit and increasing. Even as it has been doing in you also since the day you heard of it and understood the, understood the grace of God in truth. The gospel, it's not my slick way of presenting it, it's the inherent power in the gospel that constantly bears fruit and increases simply by delivering it. Isn't that incredible? I find that amazing. God does the work. All he needs is the carrier to show up, the delivery boy. Bring the good news. You know what he does with it? <coughs> Excuse me. 
It says in, uh, I think it's Acts 17 on Mars Hill, where it says that someone they heard the gospel believed. Others sneered. I don't want anything to do with that. But others said this, we're going to need to hear you again, Paul. Those are legitimate, aren't they? That's fruit-bearing from the gospel. Some from life to life, others from death to death. Some have questions. It's the power of the gospel. Paul looked around him and saw what was going on and saw a bunch of religious people, but they didn't know Jesus. So he brings them the gospel. And they were hearing strange things, but some of them believed. That wasn't because Paul was so good. That's because the Spirit of God moved in their heart to believe. Some sneered. You ever get that response from people when you share the gospel with them? They just want nothing to do with it. It's like low-flying aircraft. Don't get it. Just misses them. And then there's others that go, man, can I talk to you again? <laughs> Absolutely. Love to get together with you and talk to you about Jesus. Paul said it's constantly bearing fruit. So this gospel that you and I have that's been delivered to us as first importance, which we're to carry to others, is simple, it's memorable, it's powerful, it provides rescue for those who need a living hope and that hope being found in Jesus. It's the word of truth. The truth will set people free and it constantly bears fruit and it does it in a continual way. Someone said this, you don't need to convince somebody how powerful a lion is. All you have to do is take the leash off of it. Right? It'll convince on its own. When we deliver the gospel, the powerful word of God for salvation, the word of truth, the gospel does the work and we can get out of the way. Deliver the gospel. So Paul in Ephesians chapter 6, that's where we're going this morning, verses 18 through 20, if you want to get there. Let me give you the context. <clears throat> Can I have my water? Thank you, baby. The context is uh, Ephesians 6, starting in verse 10. Paul is saying, finally be strong in the Lord. Why? And in the strength of his might, because we're in a spiritual battle. We're in a war zone. And he's going to talk to the believers in Ephesus about putting on the full armor of God so they can stand firm against the schemes of the evil one. We're in that same battle today. We're not at peace. We're at war. And the enemy is seeking to swallow us down and destroy us. And Paul takes that and he ends uh, chapter or that passage in verse 17 about taking the, uh, the shield of faith and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And then he says these words, verses 18 through 20. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit, and with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. And pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, 
that in proclaiming it, I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. He says a lot there in those three verses. He starts out with an all-inclusive statement, and then he goes to a very personal statement. The all-inclusive is pray for who? All the saints. The personal statement is pray on my behalf. Why pray on his behalf? He's the carrier. He's the carrier of the gospel. So let's start in verse 18. He says, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. Praying by means of the Spirit. Praying with all kinds of prayers and petitions. Praying at all times. There's never not a time to pray. And to do it in the Spirit, by means of the Spirit, walking by the Spirit, being filled with the Spirit. I do not know how to pray as I ought to pray. Do you? Do you know exactly what to ask God for? I don't. Unless the Spirit of God intervenes on my behalf, I'm going to miss it by miles. So Paul is telling these believers in Ephesus that when you pray, use all kinds of prayers, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication, petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And he says, and with this in view, be on the alert. Be aware of what's going on around you. Be vigilant as we pray. And that we're to do it with all perseverance and petition. It's not starting out and then just tailing off. It's persevering in prayer. Do you find that hard to do? You find drool marks on your prayer list where you start out strong and you tail off and you might find that you've dozed off in your praying. You're not alone. I can remember three guys that went with Jesus into a garden. Right? Jesus said what? Watch and pray. They fell asleep. So if you fall asleep while you're praying, you're in good company. They did it. We might do it. But Paul says watch and pray. Be alert. Do it with perseverance. Do it with continuation by means of the Spirit. Enduring in prayer. It's like in Acts 12 when Peter was taken prisoner and they were going to behead him. The, Peter was in prison, but it says in Acts 12 the church was praying. And they didn't just pray for an hour. They prayed for days. And then Peter was going to be brought out and he was going to be put to death. And the night before that he was brought out, an angel came, told him, get up, get your stuff together, we're leaving. And he thought he was seeing a vision and they walked out. How did he get out of that prison? The church was praying. They were persevering in prayer. There was power there. They were on the alert. They were aware. They were using all kinds of prayer and petition. It says they were doing it fervently. They were on fire in their praying for Peter. They were expecting God to do something. And then Paul says this. He said, our praying 
is to be for all the saints. You notice he didn't say pray for your brothers and sisters there at Ephesus. It's too small a thing. He doesn't say to us at Moraine Valley Church, pray for your brothers and sisters at Moraine Valley Church. But what he does say is he says, pray for all the saints, all the saints. And we're going to take time to do that right now because this is an action-oriented statement. And the world seems to be getting shredded by the moment. We got brothers and sisters in Haiti who have experienced devastation. Loss of life, loss of homes, loss of business. Not only from a 7.2 magnitude earthquake, but 10 inches of rain that followed up on the earthquake two days later because a tropical storm passed by. Then we got brothers and sisters in Afghanistan who are hiding in holes and caves and they can't get out. And the, the Taliban is looking to put them to death. And what hope do they have? Hoping against hope. I've got some statements here from them. So we want to pray for children and family members in Haiti, businesses, 2,000 confirmed dead, 30,000 families homeless. We need to pray for comfort those who, for those who have lost loved ones, that those who are still waiting to hear. We sponsor children in Haiti from Compassion International. And we were told by uh, Matt Kitchen, who is our rep in this area, that 46 of the development centers were impacted in that area when the uh, earthquake happened, and 15 of those development centers were destroyed. All these staff have been accounted for in their well, and so we're going to take time right now, and we're going to pray for our brothers and sisters in Haiti. Father, uh, here we are in uh, Palos Heights, Illinois, but you've given us the privilege and the opportunity to bring our brothers and sisters in Haiti before you and ask, Lord, that you would mitigate the destruction that took place there. You would give them hope, uh, not hope against hope, but hope uh, settled in who you are, Jesus, and the compassion of other people for them. We want to lift our brothers and sisters up, and we want to ask you to meet them where they are today, would you fill them with hope? Would you bring resource to them? Would you use Compassion International to continue to supply food packs for them? Would you use Samaritan's Purse in their, in their uh, opportunity to come with hope, with chaplains to counsel people and to bring hope to them? Father, would you put yourself in, on display in this uh, place of destruction because of an earthquake and a tropical storm, Lord, would you rescue people from despair and would you show yourself mighty? Now, Lord, we come to you with our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan who need your physical protection and your provision. Lord, you said that when we pray to you, uh, we, to ask you to deliver us from evil. We're asking you to do that for our brothers and sisters. They're facing it head on. We're facing it from a distance here on their behalf. And we want to ask you to meet them in a way that only you can do that. Lord, would you stem the tide of evil against them? Would you bring it to nothing? Would you not allow it to go beyond where it's at? Father, we want to ask you to hide them in plain sight. We want to ask you to confound the purposes 
of those who would do evil against them. Father, your supernatural protection, spiritual provision, strength for them in their faith. Lord, they've said it's really hard to stay here. Father, would you provide them with peace that passes all understanding? Would you advance your gospel in these dark days? They feel like a storm is on them. Lord, they're, they're asking us to pray for revival, to open eyes of the spiritually blind, to magnify your great name. Lord, they've said that their hope is not in the politics, but in you, King Jesus. Father, we want to ask this for dying grace for those who will lose their lives because of their faith in Jesus. And Lord, when your time is right, would you bring your wrath on perpetrators of evil all around the world? Lord, you've told us to pray with all kinds of prayers and petitions to persevere and to do that on behalf of all the saints. Lord, we don't know these brothers and sisters, but they're directly in your view. You see them, you care about them, and you're moving on their behalf even as we pray here today and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now Paul turns to something very personal. He went from the all-inclusive to this personal request. He says, you know, while you're praying by means of the Spirit for all believers, step in on my behalf and pray for me. Paul says this in verse 19, and pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. Paul's asking, guys, when you pray, ask God to fill my mouth with the very words that I need to say. Have you ever felt that way? You just don't know what to say in the moment? You know you need to say something. You just don't know what you need to say. And that's why at the end of verse 17, he's talking about the shield of faith and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of truth. It's that word, that one word for that moment in time that the Spirit of God would give you to speak. Peter said it this way in 1 Peter 3. He says, always being ready to give a defense for the hope that you have in Christ. The reason for your hope. What's your reason for your hope in Christ? Do you have that? Do you know how to share that? Paul says, you know what, guys? Pray on my behalf that God would give me the words that I need to speak. Jesus said this to his disciples. He said this, when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, not if, when they do that, do not worry about how or what you're to speak in your defense or, to what you're, or for what you are to say. For the Holy Spirit 
will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. Don't sweat it. How can I not sweat it? Get the word of God in you. Get the word of God in you. You've got the spirit of God. You've got the word of truth. Get it in you. Take time to do that. As you're reading day by day, and as you come to the word of God, the spirit of God is going to have something stick out to you. He did that for a reason. Memorize it. Get the word in. Because God wants you to get the word out. He says, pray for the opening of his mouth. It's one thing for me to have the words in. It's another thing for me to open my mouth and deliver the good news. Open mouth. Paul says, pray that I might have utterance and pray for me in the opening of my mouth. Pray for me in that. Pray for me in that. Pray for one another in that. Lord, would you open my mouth when that time is here? Not every time is for that, but some time is for that. Do you know what time it is? Lord, give me what I need to open my mouth. Sometimes there's a hesitancy that grips us. And the Spirit of God has to do the work of opening my mouth and he's got to do the work of bringing conviction to people when they hear the good news. Peter and John faced this in Acts chapter 3 and 4 when they healed a lame beggar. The authorities wanted to know whose name was this done in. And they were filled with the Spirit, opened their mouth, and said, if you're, we're on trial today, for a benefit done to a lame man, let it be known to you that it was in the name of Jesus whom you put to death, but God raised from the dead. That's how this guy is standing in front of you today in good health. Then after that, they warned them not to speak anymore in that name, but they recognized that these guys were uneducated and untrained men, but they had been with Jesus and so they go back to their companions and they report to them the threats that were made against them and they're praying together in this room and something happens after they got done praying. The place that they had prayed in was shaken and it says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and went out with boldness and spoke the gospel. They made proclamation. How did that happen? Boldness for them, boldness for Paul. He's asking for boldness that he might proclaim the mystery of the gospel. How does that come? How did it come for Peter and John? It came because the Holy Spirit filled them. They would have stayed hidden away, but the Holy Spirit gave them boldness. The Holy Spirit provides what we need to pray. He provides the very words we need to speak and the boldness to actually open our mouths and get the words out. He does that. It's the Spirit's work from the beginning to the end of the process. And then Paul says this in verse 20. He says, 
And at the end of verse 19, that he might make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. That in proclaiming it, the gospel, I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Paul's identity. He is an ambassador for the gospel. I'm in a room filled with ambassadors today. Ambassadors are very important. An ambassador is somebody who represents and speaks on behalf of another kingdom while away from his own country. That's who we are. We are dual citizenship ambassadors. We have a citizenship in the United States. Either you were born here or you became a naturalized citizen and this is what we identify with nationally. But the scripture says in Philippians 3.20, our citizenship is in heaven from which we eagerly wait for a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. You know that one who died for our sins and was buried and was raised on the third day according to the scripture? That's the one we're waiting for. The Apostle Paul said he is an ambassador speaking on behalf of that kingdom in this kingdom so that people will understand what the gospel is and turn from their sins and turn to Jesus. In 2 Corinthians 5 verses 20 and 21, Paul said this. He said, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God. What a great trade that was. All my sin went to Jesus. All his righteousness came to me and I'm absolutely transformed because of who he is and what he's done. And that's the news that Paul brings as an ambassador for the kingdom of heaven to to this kingdom on earth, that there's good news. And he said, I'm an ambassador in chains. He's writing this letter from prison. None of us have been there yet. We got brothers and sisters in Afghanistan who will either go to prison or they'll go to the grave. Or if God spares them, they'll see another day. Paul said, it's in difficulty. In all circumstances, he's an ambassador. He's in prison for the sake of the gospel. Whether those situations are pleasant or difficult, he's an ambassador, and so we are. Tough days may be coming for the church in the United States. We're ambassadors. We may be ambassadors in chains. So what what do we do with this? How do we participate in this at our personal level? How do we, along with Paul, say, Lord, would you fill me up? Would you give me a persevering spirit with, with all prayers, all kinds of prayers and petition, with perseverance through prayer? How do we participate in this good news that you want delivered? I'm going to give you something. It's not in my notes, but it's on my mind. September 19th, Franklin Graham will be at Chicago Motorland Speedway to bring the gospel to the southwest side of Chicago. 
It's the God Loves You Tour, Route 66 Tour. He's going through, through eight cities on his way to California. And he's bringing the good news. You may know some people who are far from Christ and they need to hear someone. Maybe that's your part of participation in the ministry of Franklin Graham, who is the carrier of the gospel, and you're the inviter, and you say, come with me. I'm going to hear this guy. He's going to be preaching good news on how you can have life in Christ. I want you to hear it with me. So what can we do? We can pray. We can certainly pray. It's not the last thing we can do. It's the first thing we can do. We can pray for open opportunities. Or better yet, Lord, would you open my eyes to the opportunities that you're putting around me for the gospel? Is there someone that you're going to bring into my presence that I need to be aware of, that I need to listen to, and I need to be able to interact with not just once, but several times? Lord, would you open that opportunity? Would you open my eyes to it? Would you open the hearts of the people that you want to hear the gospel? This is right out of Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 6. Paul prayed these things. He, he, he wants people's hearts to be open so that they can receive the gospel. Why? <coughs> because we're in a spiritual battle. And the evil one blinds the minds of the unbelieving so they can't see the glory of the gospel of Christ. He needs to open their hearts. He needs to open their eyes. He needs to open their minds. We can pray that, Lord, along with the apostle Paul, he asked you not only for the words, but he asked you for an open mouth. Lord, would you remove the hesitancy from me, from us, in sharing the gospel? Would you endue us with boldness to be able to to proclaim the mystery of Christ. Lord, would you prepare me? Would you prepare us so that we're ready to buy up that opportunity? Do you know what the gospel is? Three simple words. Sin, faith, Jesus. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Not one of us can't, can say that we've not done that. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus the Lord. Putting faith in who Jesus is and what he's done. Jesus did the heavy lifting. He took the burden. He took our sin. He took it to the cross, took it to the grave, and left it there. Your sin's taken care of. It's all washed away. If you don't know Jesus that way this morning, you need to you need to know him. You need to come to him. Now is a great time to do that. That's where faith comes in, where you say, Jesus, what you did, you did for me. I want to thank you for doing that for me. I receive you into my life right now, and I understand when I do that, I'm born again by your spirit, and I'll never be who I was ever again. You go from being dead in your sins to being alive in Christ. Get the gospel in you. Get the word in you. Because now when you're on the street, you're armed and dangerous at any moment. You can share the gospel with someone by the Spirit of God dredging it up from inside of you and bringing it out into someone's life. Demonstrate compassion for those who are far from Jesus. We're living in a broken world. Tons of broken people all around us. God, Jesus... 
In Matthew chapter 9, he looked on the people. He saw them as distressed and downcast, dispirited, like sheep without a shepherd. They were ready to lay down and die. And he had compassion on them. And that's what he's calling us to, to be men and women of compassion. Lord, I need that. And maybe you need it too. And then proclaim, and I left my prop at home. But I bought, uh, I bought some stuff for my sweetheart. We had flowers in our backyard that were infested with this beetle. And we researched some stuff, and I got sent to Menards to retrieve it. And I, I brought it home. It's in this spray bottle. And it's, man, the reviews on it, this stuff works like crazy on those beetles. So we took it and sprayed it and went to spray it again, and it wouldn't do a thing. The applicator had given up the ghost. Great product, but we couldn't deliver it to where it needed to go. We have the greatest news in the entire world. But if it's stuck in me and the applicator's not working, it's not going to do good anywhere. I need God to change that in me. We need him to change that in us. We need to be ready in the moment. It's no value sitting in the container. Here's what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 1, 8 through 11. He says, and I'm closing with this, we do not want you to be unaware, brethren, of, of our affliction, which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened excessively beyond our strength, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, we had the sentence of death within ourselves so that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a peril of death and will deliver us. He on whom we have set our hope and he will yet deliver us. You also joining in helping us through your prayers. How did Paul become effective? Brothers and sisters just like us, praying on their behalf. So that, why? So that thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf for the favor bestowed on us through the prayers of many. Lord, You have given to us that which is of first importance. That Christ died for sin, according to the scriptures. And that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day, according to the scripture. We want to ask, Father, that you would magnify your name you would put yourself on display and that you would advance your kingdom purpose by getting the word out through simple vessels just like us, the carriers of the good news. Lord, thank you for giving us the Holy Spirit who empowers us and enables us and brings conviction 
when the word of God gets delivered. Lord, we want to walk in that power today, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.